Hello and welcome to LPO Offstage. I'm Yolanda Brown and this is the podcast that gets down to the nitty gritty of life in the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Today we're finding out what makes the LPO the LPO. Do orchestras have distinct identities? Well, I'm joined by trombone player Dave Whitehouse and violinists Minma Joe and Tom Eisner. Welcome back, Dave, Min and Tom. Hello. Hi, thank you. It's lovely to have you here. Well, my first big question then, I think I'll, I'll ask to you first, Min, what makes the LPO the LPO? I was kind of dreading being the first person to answer this because it's <laughs> such a big question. <laughs> well, the reason why I ask you first, actually, is because you, in, in this company, are the person to join the last, you know, the, the newest member, Indeed. so to speak. And so yeah. you would have an idea of the identity now. What, what drew you to the LPO? Well, as you say, I, I joined in 2020 in the throes of lockdowns and all that jazz. And the LPO has always, for me, been one of those orchestras I've always looked up to, you know, since studying, since you know, growing up, listening to them when I was younger. So I've always kind of had it in my head as something that, you know, is really would be a, a great goal to be a part of. The standard is amazing. They're always striving for the best and always wanted to be part of that sums it up really, really nicely. Brilliant. Uh, Dave, I'm going to offer that question to you. What makes the LPO the LPO? We will be unpicking this later, but just the headlines. <laughs> you can't put your finger on one thing. It's a number of things. I was in a, a different orchestra before I joined this one. When, when the opportunity arose to join this orchestra, I was very much attracted by the, the much friendlier schedule that there was and the much more relaxed attitude somebody i've forgotten who it was but they summed it up really nicely which is we take the music seriously but we don't take ourselves seriously absolutely i can feel that too uh, and tom how about for you what makes the lpo the lpo i think it has a lot to do with where we play because you think you know music is has to be played in a console we, we can't play outside we're lucky that we have the royal festival hall which I, I think is uh, one of the country's best concert halls and, and best, not just the concert hall, but the situation of it is, is wonderful. It's a really classy situation on the South Bank, in the, the most buzzing area of artistic, cultural area of the country, perhaps in the world. I mean, there, if you think of how much is actually going on in that area, the South Bank, you know, how many people are being entertained with the arts. And then, of course, Lineborn, I mean, one of the most prestigious opera houses again. So there's this whole thing of quality right from the start, even before a note is played. Um, and I, I was drawn to the LPO, really, because when I, come, I come from the north of England, from Buxton or Buxton, in the middle of nowhere, really, and it was always a dream. I used to go to London once a year and uh, to actually see the dream come true. Well, those are perfect headlines. I think it sums up the orchestra really, really well. So we're going to delve a bit deeper and unpack. Min, is there an LPO sound and what are the ingredients for that? Speaking from a string player's point of view, I suppose one of the things that I notice maybe that might differentiate between orchestras as string players vibrato so vibrato is basically the movement of the left hand which slightly distorts the sound wave basically so if you didn't use it it would just be a pure note and then you can use it to emphasize certain notes or whatever so for example in america the general trend is that you use quite a lot of strong vibrato and it's quite constant whereas maybe we might use a bit more variable one. Different orchestras have slightly different styles. So things like that kind of can differentiate between different orchestras. 
Brilliant. And I'm seeing Tom nodding there. I'm going to bring bring you in here, Tom. Min, Min said this about vibrato, and I remember doing several concerts with Itzhak Perlman, you know, one of the best violinists ever, and he decided he wanted to conduct, and we became part of the Itzhak Perlman show doing conducting. And um, he used to say all the time, more vibrato, more vibrato. And that, that was the, that was his, all he wanted, really. And it was just vibratissimo, everything. And Tom, I mean, you have the benefit of having seen the orchestra go through, I guess, different phases from 86 through to now present day, which is amazing. Have you seen a change in the sound of the LPO? And how was it when you joined to, to what we have now? Um, in the sound of the LPO, yes. Yes and no. The whole makeup of the orchestra was so different. Then. I mean, it was um, there was only one changing room for the women back in those days, and now I think, um, well, certainly in the in the violins, we've got um, ten people on trial at the moment. There are only two males. It is mainly women who are coming into the orchestra now. I mean, you could argue they were held back in previous years. The whole atmosphere of the orchestra was very. It was a very kind of men only. Thing, you know, the band room and uh, drinking and more drinking and even more drinking and this, <laughs> this kind of thing. I'd say the atmosphere is so much better now. It's, it's a lot, the whole thing is a lot healthier. It's actually a pleasure to go to work now. It's, it's the best atmosphere I've, I've ever known in the 36 years, actually. Can you remember when that sort of shift started to happen? I think it was it a gradual. There were, there were two things. There were more women coming in, and also the other thing in the in the strings, of course, was it, the whole thing became opened up to the whole world. I mean, in our section, the first violin section, there are only two of us who are actually born in this country, and the other one is Min, who's you know, <laughs> and uh, we are both first generation here. So you get all these inf- wonderful influences from which inspire one from, from all over the place, from Hungary, Latvia, South Africa, Germany. I mean, there are, there are so many different, and it's a real United Nations that has made the standard much better, I think. Could I add something to what Tom was saying, actually, yes. about the orchestra changing and the atmosphere in the orchestra changing? I think there's been a big shift in conductors and the way that conductors approach working with the orchestra. There used to be the conductors that ruled uh, with an iron fist or whatever, an iron rod. And I think that's really changed as much more of a collaborative atmosphere with conductors. And so that it just feels much more like, like a team. Mm. And I certainly got that feeling with Vladimir Yurovsky over the, the 15 or so years that he was here. And Ed Gardner is continuing that. That as well. And also all the guest conductors that we get in, I think, also have that attitude. I think that's been a big shift. I like that you said that, actually, because collaboration comes through so much in these episodes of LPO Offstage, and uh, it really is a friendly orchestra. Min, what, in your mind, does friendly orchestra mean? I think one thing that's so great about the LPO is that we have a really positive working environment. It's very constructive. We, you know, very supportive of each other. And I think you can tell that, you know, when we have extras coming in or trialists coming in, they always enjoy the experience. I think that's very important. I'm very, very glad for that. We actually have quite a nice system in the first violins now. That the extras, they actually sit with the members. So the whole thing feels really like a routine. Because in, in the old days, the extras were just sort of at the back. Extras, you know, they felt a bit superfluous. But now, you know, it's a real team thing. We, we all... Um, that works very well, I think. Yeah, about valuing everyone's contribution. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And you have over 20 nationalities in the LPO. Yeah. Dave, what makes it an attractive orchestra for players from all around the world to want to be a part of? 
Well, I'm from Birmingham, so I can't relate it directly. But I have obviously, obviously spoken to other people in the orchestra. On the face of it, the working conditions of orchestras, especially, well, in Europe and America, are a lot better. They get paid more for doing less work. But we still seem to somehow manage to attract people from all over the world. And they do cite the incredible musicality and the quality of soloists and conductors that we get, and also the repertoire, the speed of the turnover of repertoire, which I know isn't always a good thing, but does keep it fresh. You, you never sort of stagnate playing the same thing for a week or two weeks sometimes, apart from Glyndebourne. But then all the operas are sort of mixed up, so you don't feel like you're playing the same thing for weeks and then because you, you might do one opera one night, then another, another night, then another, another night, and then it sort of goes around in a cycle like that. And Min, what do you think makes the LPO so attractive? Absolutely agree with what Dave said. And also what Tom mentioned earlier about being in London. I think it's a very exciting place to be. It's very diverse. It's very creative. And I think that's a big plus for people coming to play with us as well. Well, when I started in 86, it wasn't the 20 nationalities. There were a few people from other places. But um when I think also the repertoire, I mean, the, in all these years, I've played just about everything, all the Shostakovich symphonies, um, all the Bruckners, everything. And the young people starting out from wherever they are, that's a great thing for them. It's, a very, it's an attractive proposition because they're going to be covering a lot of stuff. And Dave, what's the difference between a symphony orchestra and a philharmonic orchestra? I honestly don't think there is one. I think it's just a name. The root of the name is different. Ah. Um, symphony being coming from symphony and, and philharmonic comes from love of music. And so when we hear Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and London Philharmonic Orchestra, what would be the main differences between the two? It's difficult to say, really. I mean, we're all capable of doing the same things, but I think the each orchestra has sort of moved towards its own part of the market. We do less of the sort of commercial side of things. We do the, the sort of concerts and the and the operas and things. The RPO does do its share of the um, of the sort of classical repertoire, but also it will do more of the classic spectacular things, slightly more popular programs that will get more bums on seats, as we say. There's room in in London for both those kind of things. Min, you spoke there about vibrato. Are there any other characteristics or sounds that when you hear the LPO, if you are blindfolded in an auditorium, that would just let you know that you're hearing the LPO? I think we're an orchestra that encourages people to give, if you know what I mean. So people yeah. are encouraged to kind of play out. We're not the sort of orchestra that says, oh, shh, 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 you know, you know, you're playing on, on one of your bow hairs type of thing. We're, we're not that kind of... Of course, we can play very quietly, of course, <laughs> but... Um, I think as a core, we like to encourage everyone to give their contribution, to play out and, and then take it from, from there in terms of interpretation and what the conductor has in mind and so forth. Absolutely. I can see you nodding there, Tom. Is there anything you'd like to... I, I've, always, I've always found in, um, in the orchestra, I've always felt free to play as I want to play and to be myself. Yes. I think it is, I think Dave would probably agree with this, that it is an orchestra full of characters very sort of extrovert types and people who, who are themselves. But somehow the LPO brings out the best in, uh, in people, I think. I, I must say in the first first 15 years I was there, it could be a bit intimidating some of the old older members who, you know, you sort of felt like you'd missed out on everything because we, we, had, we had someone who would talk about Tommy and I thought he was talking about me at first and it wasn't, it was Thomas Beecham. I... Uh, and... Uh, you know, you'd hear all these old stories from, from the past. I thought, oh, I've missed out on that. And 
There was even someone who had been in the recording of Lawrence of Arabia, you know, and uh, this guy, and there was actually, from the point of view of history, uh, for my first five years, we had someone who had actually played under Elgar conducting, who retired at the age of 82. That's how I feel when you all talk about recording Lord of the Rings. I'm like, damn, I missed out. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps on going. And for you, Dave, when you came into the LPO, was there a sort of transition or uh, sort of an adaptation that you had to make coming from where you were before? So before I uh, joined any orchestra, I freelanced for about um, 10 or 12 years or so. And you're always going into different ensembles and you're having to adapt pretty quickly between the different ensembles that you play. And I, I was also, I mean, not only going to different orchestras, but also playing in some West End shows or I might be playing in a brass quintet or whatever it might be. I think we all probably at Music College and, and beyond, we all learn to be adaptable. And so to slot into a different section is just a, an extension of that, I think. Learning from the players throughout this series, you realise it's almost through osmosis that you just adapt with each other. It's like, you know, a flock of birds just flying so gracefully and everybody manages to understand what if you have to play louder, everybody moves. And if you have to play softer, everybody moves. Min, was there anything that you had to sort of, or maybe habits you've picked up through your playing before being with the LPO that you thought, oh gosh, I've really got to drop this. This isn't part of, this isn't part of what we're about here at the LPO. Um, not that I'm aware of. I mean, someone needs to tell me if there's something I need to stop doing. But, um, I suppose when I joined the LPO, it was in a bit of a strange time with COVID. But if we think about before then and kind of now that we're kind of working through that, the COVID times, with the schedule, I mean, it schedule is pretty busy with kind of touring and the London season or Glyndebourne, and then we'll have little bits slotted in here and there. So stamina was quite a big thing, building up your stamina both mentally and also physically because no one wants to get injured. You've got to figure out how to maintain your your body or stretching or whatever people do. So stamina is quite a big one for me. I was just thinking of another point that when I started that the way people approached the job was so different in those days. I mean, I remember going to the library wanting Romeo and Juliet, Tchaikovsky, a pretty standard piece. And the librarian said to me, he was an old time, he was only there for another month after that. And he, he said, uh, you know, if you need Romeo and Juliet, you shouldn't be in this orchestra. People didn't seem to, to practice then. You know, you just read everything. And now if you go down to the library, there's always a queue outside it, you know, for people getting the, the parts out. That whole thing has changed beyond recognition. You know, that, that people didn't practice in the old days. I think today, you know, we're lucky we live at the age when you can, you know, just for every piece, you can look up. It's on Spotify, wherever it is. And people do, you know, everyone's, the conversation we're having, I'm having at the moment with my colleagues the last two weeks in my section is uh, this concert we got in Dresden with Thomas Addis's music. There are two of his pieces. And it is very, 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 very challenging for us. And this has been the conversation everyone's having, you know, talking about, you know, how are you managing with this? People are taking it very seriously. And um, that I can't imagine 36 years ago uh, <laughs> happening. Just turning up and trying to play this really challenging piece, yeah. And does the player ownership of the LPO make a difference to the orchestra's personality, Tom? I think this whole player ownership is a bit of a red herring because it's an, it was just an accident that ever happened. You know, Beecham left the orchestra in 1940 and the players don't really, you know, we have this token share thing. Look, at the end of the day, I think, and I really believe this, the musicians, what they're really good at, especially the ones in our orchestra, are playing their instruments, playing well together. That's the good thing. I think 
players trying to run things doesn't go together. In the past, you did have people who stepped up you know, a long, long time ago, but they are two very separate skills and you need the experts, people who actually have actually trained, who know, understand how money, sponsorship and those sort of things work. As you said earlier, one of the great things about the LPO is is you're allowed to be yourself. In an orchestra of 70 members, you'll have 70 different opinions. I'm afraid I, I disagree with you there, Tom. I think it's a really lovely... As I was talking earlier about the uh, collaborative feeling you get with conductors, I think it's the same with management. There's very much... You don't get that them and us feeling. No, no. There are some orchestras that are that are managed and the musicians are employees. There is very much a kind of, well, we're not going to give an inch because they'll take a mile, you know, but there's much more of a sort of collaborative, I've used that word again, atmosphere amongst the musicians. And I know the musicians don't run the orchestra. I I was on the board until just over a year ago, and Min is our newest board member, in fact. It's on her shoulders now. (laughs) She's one of seven player directors. Um, But the board itself is made up of, um, I think, over 15-plus members. They all have their own areas of expertise, and... Also, the management that we have in the office, they all have their own areas of expertise. And the musicians, whilst they don't actually run anything in particular, they do, having them on the board and having quite a, a loud voice on the board, I think really does help to um, sort of promote that collaborative atmosphere that you get with the conductors and with the management. It's, I certainly don't get that them and us feeling at all. No, no, not at all. I and mean, I, I totally agree about the collaboration. I think it the model we have at the moment works extremely well. I think this thing of self-governing is maybe just the wrong, it's, it's a, a throwback to the past when it really was. Mm. You know, you would have yeah. classic, I mean, I'm talking about 30 years ago where you'd have suddenly the managing director would be tapped or something. One of the players would have to step up and do that job. I mean, that that would be, un, it just wouldn't work. So it's just the wording self-governing, I I think. It makes sense. And, you know, we've said the word many times today, but collaboration is the key, really, to be able to hear from the musicians themselves and their experiences on the ground and be able to make that a part of the decision making for whatever the future of the organisation is, is is really important. Um, So that's really, really great to hear. At the time of recording, the Glanbourne Opera Festival has just started, where the LPO is the resident orchestra. What is interesting about the opera concert mix? You know, we've heard quite a lot here on the podcast about having to adjust to being in the pit and then adjusting to be back in the beautiful Royal Festival Hall. Do you like that element? Yeah, I think it's really good. I think because you you never get sort of stuck doing one thing all all year round. So we do the festival hall season and, and then you think, oh, we got Glyndebourne starting. So we do the Glyndebourne season and then you think, oh, we got festival hall season starting. And so it sort of goes in that cycle and each change is sort of looking forward to the change. It keeps it fresh. Are there any habits or uh, sounds, techniques I'm, I'm going for habits as well that get passed around, <laughs> that get passed around the orchestra that becomes an LPO thing. I mean, we've heard about the lucky banana before stage, but are there any things that are really LPO nature, Davia? Tell me. No, that was the clarinet, isn't it? <laughs> that is the, the clarinet. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> the the infamous lucky banana. <laughs> well, there's a bit of a thing on tour. We we tend to occupy the the back of bus three. And we sing the occasional song. It's all coming out now. But I think it really adds to the camaraderie. The brass section, I think, is really good camaraderie in the brass section. 
that we have. It, it helps with the sound. It, it, it helps with playing together. It helps with thinking the same way, thinking musically. It sounds like a silly thing, but I actually think it's it's quite important. And we haven't been on tour for quite a long time, really. Well, we've had a, a couple of tours during the lockdowns, but we're hoping that the touring will start up again uh, from September, October sort of time. And, uh, yeah, we can get back to... Um, stretching our voices at the back of bus three. Absolutely. Sounds brilliant. I do know about bus three too, so I'm glad you said that. Oh dear. (laughs) That's where I'll be. (laughs) Was it a leading question by any chance? Just before we have three buses really, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And tell me about the strings. Is there anything within the, I'd say violins department, that really is LPO culture? It's funny because I, I think that's you know we get we all get on very well marvelously in, in, together in the first fiddles, and it is the I suppose it's the biggest section, but I think on you know Dave was talking about tours and um, that sort of thing, but we never sort of do social things together really. I think as soon as the rehearsals are over, we I mean as I say as a group you know we might two or three of us might go around, but we tend not to um, do that. And I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind? I think there's too many of us. Yes. Imagine organising everyone. Yeah, I know. You, you never get around. to agree on it because everyone would have their own opinion. But there is still that family feel within the first violins, right, Min? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. We do all get on really well. My final question to you, and sort of wrapping up how we started, really, if there was something that you could say to the LPO, and I'm saying, you know, to its full entity, what would you say? And it could be something that you would like to see changed or adapted, or it could be something that you really, really like. And I'm not saying directing this to a person. It's just to the LPO, the entity in itself. Dave, what would you say? I think just keep doing what we're doing. I think it's a lovely place to work. I think we make great music. And as Tom says, we all get on with each other. It's, it almost sounds too good to be true, but it really is true. I sometimes have to pinch myself. That is beautiful, and I'm glad for that. Tom, what would you say? Well, I'd say that, I keep saying this having been there 36 years, but I think the way things are done now, if we could just sort of keep it like it is now, because it's taken a long time to achieve this. The management is great. Artistically, it's good understanding of the orchestra, the way the orchestra is perceived. People really look up to it. If we can just keep things as... Obviously not as the Argus things do evolve, but um, this is something for politicians because, you know, ultimately politicians are the ones who decide the future. And, and, you know, we we have a very successful sponsorship department, but we still rely on things like that. And it would be a great shame if, if things were to be destroyed. This is a great, a wonderful thing, the LPO, and um, it has to be there for future generations. A great perspective. Thank you, Tom. And Min, what would you say? I would firstly say thanks for your hard work and let's keep going. I think we don't like to rest on our laurels. There's always room for change and improvement. I mean, just look at the way our digital, we've handled the digital movement during lockdown and stuff. It's it's amazing. Yeah, let's just keep going onwards and upwards. And on that amazing note, thank you all very, very much for joining me here on LPO Offstage. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. 
Well, that's it for now from LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. Thanks so much to Tom Eisner, Dave Whitehouse and Mimma Joe for revealing what they think makes the LPO unique. And please do get in touch using the hashtag OffstagePod. Thank you for listening and do join me for the next episode of LPO Offstage. I'll see you then. Thank you.